Welcome to the Ridge Community Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to hit the subscribe button and find us online at theridgecc.com. At our website, you can catch up with everything that's happening at The Ridge, watch previous messages, and learn more about who we are. If you want to watch services live, you can catch them every Sunday via our online community at live.theridgecc.com. We hope this message inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. If you want to change the world, start off by making your bed. If you make your bed every morning, you will have accomplished the first task of the day. It will give you a small sense of pride and it will encourage you to do another task and another and another. And by the end of the day, that one task completed will have turned into many tasks completed. Making your bed will also reinforce the fact that the little things in life matter. If you can't do the little things right, you'll never be able to do the big things right. And if by chance you have a miserable day, you will come home to a bed that is made, that you made. And a made bed gives you encouragement that tomorrow will be better. Over a few weeks of difficult training, my SEAL class, which started with 150 men, was down to just 42. There were now six boat crews of seven men each. I was in the boat with the tall guys, but the best boat crew we had was made up of the little guys, the munchkin crew, we called them. No one was over five foot five. The Munchkin boat crew had one American Indian, one African American, one Polish American, one Greek American, one Italian American, and two tough kids from the Midwest. They out paddled, outran, and outswam all the other boat crews. The big men in the other boat crews would always make good natured fun of the tiny little flippers the Munchkins put on their tiny little feet prior to every swim. But somehow these little guys from every corner of the nation and the world always had the last laugh, swimming faster than everyone and reaching the shore long before the rest of us. SEAL training was a great equalizer. Nothing mattered but your will to succeed, not your color, not your ethnic background, not your education, not your social status. If you want to change the world, measure a person by the size of their heart, not by the size of their flippers. Well, if you've never seen that, that entire speech, I, I want to encourage you to go on YouTube and search Admiral William McRaven, and uh, it's just a, a really, really good speech. Uh, it's actually a commencement speech that he gave down in Austin, and uh, he tells all these really, just, just really cool stories, really powerful stories, and uh, it's just moving, and it's motivational, and just all just kind of mixed in one. And what's great about everything that, that he talks about, when you kind of hear these stories, it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, here's his big idea. It doesn't, it's, it's all about how the little things turn into the big things in our life. Well, hey, I want to welcome all you who are joining us from Oak Creek, joining us online. Glad you're here with us. And right here, we've all survived Snowageddon, which, uh, you know, I don't think really ever happened, but uh, we all survived it anyway. So uh, thanks for being here. And uh, as today, we are in week two of our series called Habits. And as we kick off the, the new year and a new decade, uh, this is the time of year that, that we are more motivated to make changes in our life than, than any other time. This is why, uh, for many of us, we make New Year's resolutions uh, or we set some sort of goals uh, for 2020 or for the new year. And I think that's just a really, really good thing. However, studies show that 92% of all resolutions will be done away with, will be quit, will be gone, forgotten by Valentine's Day. 
And we just said, we're not going to settle for that because we believe God has and wants more for us. So that's why we're talking about habits. Now, last week I kicked it off uh, by talking about why do habits matter? And the answer to that question is, uh, is our big idea for the series and is also something uh, that, that we took from a guy named uh, Craig Crescio, who's a pastor down in Oklahoma. And I just think he says it so well. He just says, here's why habits matter, because successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. And so successful people, we, we tend to equate success with, with famous people or uh, people with, with really uh, high-paying jobs and all that stuff, which can be true. But I, when we think of success, I want us to just kind of go beyond that, think bigger than that, to think healthy people, impactful people. Uh, if you follow Jesus, these are people who really experience the abundant life that Jesus has invited us into. Successful people do. They have the right habits, and they do them consistently, that day after day, that they do certain small things that other people rarely do or maybe even never do. And then as I wrapped up last week, uh, I, I wrapped it up with a homework assignment for all of us. And uh, this homework assignment uh, was a question. And uh, the answer to this question actually might be the most important question uh, that you ask yourself in, in, in 2020. And here's the question. We want everyone to ask, who do you want to become? Who do you want to become? You know, New Year's resolutions, goals, they're really important, but who determines do every single time? In fact, the do in your life right now, the life that you're living is actually an overflow, overflow or an outflow of, of the who. It's the overflow or outflow of our identity. You know, it's the, it's the who gives us the bigger motivation, the bigger reason why to do something than just accomplish a goal. So we challenged everybody, Christian or not Christian, we want you to answer this question. And if you missed last week, I cannot encourage you enough to go back and watch or listen to last week. Now today what we're going to do is we're going to talk about an essential part in us becoming the who that we want to become. But this part that we're going to talk about, this is where it breaks down for many of us as well. Because most of us, we have a story where it goes something like this. It's like, okay, I, I want to I put this new habit in my life. I want to do something different, do something new. And, uh, you know, we try it, and it's going well for a while. But then all of a sudden, we just ran out of motivation. Or we didn't have enough willpower, and then we quit. And then we try again, and then we didn't see results soon enough or quick enough. And so then, you know, we give up again. Now, what we talk about today, all of us can do this. And what we talk about today, if you have the courage to, to try this, because it's going to take some courage for, for some of us, I believe it's going to go a long way in you becoming the who you want to become, but more importantly, becoming the who that God wants us to become. But before I tell you what that is, uh, I need us to put on our thinking cap a little bit, all right? I know with Snowmageddon, we, Snowmageddon you know, we have kind of a snow on our mind a little bit right now, wants to brush that off a little bit, put on our thinking caps, and here's what I want you to think about. I want you to think about your last normal day. Now, if you work, what was your last normal day? Now, some of you may be like, well, I'm a stay-at-home parent. Listen, you work, and you need a raise, all right? So what is your last, how do you think about your last normal day? Whatever your last normal day was like, odds are it was very similar to the normal day before that. Uh, let me just share with you a little bit about what my normal day, uh, normal day is like, because I'm sure you're all interested, you know? Uh, and so last, no last normal day kind of goes like this. Alarm goes off at 4.45. I get out of bed, stumble into the bathroom to where, and then I put on a workout shirt. 
And then after I put on the workout shirt, I head downstairs, I make some coffee, and then when the coffee's done, I take the coffee, sit down on the couch, I read the Bible, journal for a little bit, and then when I'm done with that, I work for an hour, hour and a half or so, and then I leave and I go to the gym. After I work out, I head back home, where I work at home, because there's no one home, and uh, I work at home uh, after, through about 1, 2 o'clock in the afternoon, then I head to the office, stay to the office about 5, 5.30, and then I head home till we have dinner. And then after dinner, Don and I stay after table because the kids are off doing something and we just kind of catch up. And then when everybody's done with everything, we kick into what's called evening routine. And evening routine for us is we pop a bunch of popcorn, we watch a show on Netflix, and then we got to talk about the show because you always have to have the debrief time, you know. And then when we get done with that, everybody goes through their evening routine where we go to bed and then 4.45 hits and then I start the same routine again. What was your last normal day like? Odds are... It was very similar to the normal day before that. Now, why do I tell you that? Or why do I ask you that? Here, here's what most of us don't realize. Most of what we do normally isn't a result of conscious choices, but of daily habits. Most of the things we do on a daily basis aren't results of decisions that we make, but are a result of habits we already have in place. Uh, Duke University did this study couple years ago where uh, they, they did all this research on our decision making and all this stuff. And here's what they found. 40% of all the actions that we take in a particular day are results of habits that we already have in our life. Now, I, I read that and I was like, come on, you know, that sounds a little too high for me. And so I decided to, to conduct my own experiment on my own life. So I took a couple hours uh, in my own day and I kind of tracked everything and all that stuff. And here's what I found. I think 40% is too low. But what they found is 40% of everything we do is a result of habits we already have in our life. This is why if we want to change the direction of our life, if we want to change who we are becoming, we have to change our habits. Now, last week, uh, I talked about a bunch of different resources that I, I just want to encourage you to, to read, check out, listen to, whatever you want to do, and they're available on our website. But one of the resources I talked about was this book called Atomic Habits by James Clear. And in this book, Clear talks about how, how most people have similar goals. I mean, you think about this. Uh, we, we all want to be healthier. We all want to be financially flexible and free. We all want great relationships. And if you're a Christian, we want to be close to God and make a difference with our life. But Clear talks about that even though most of us have the same goals, we have very different results. And Clear tells us why. And we looked at this statement last week, and here's what Clear said. He said, you don't rise to the level of your goals, but you fall to the level of your system. Great goals are great, but if we don't have the right methods, if we don't have the right plans, if we don't have the right processes in place, in other words, if we don't have the right systems, then we'll never achieve those great goals. You see, goals don't ultimately determine success. Systems ultimately determine success. And so what we're going to do today is I'm going to talk about systems from a spiritual perspective. And the way that we're going to do that is we're going to look at a, a character in the Old Testament part of the Bible, which is a part of the Bible before Jesus was around, and his name is Daniel. And we talked briefly about Daniel last week. We're going to do a little bit more in depth with Daniel today. And Daniel was an impressive dude. And he was an impressive dude for many reasons, but, but one of the main reasons I think that Daniel was an impressive dude is because there were 120 young leaders that the king of Babylon chose, Daniel being one of them. But Daniel wasn't just one. Daniel ended up being the top leader of all those 120 leaders. 
And what we're going to discover today is that the reason why Daniel rose to the top is because of one habit that God used over and over again in his life that made him into the person that he eventually became. And so here's what the, the writer of Daniel says. He says, Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. Now, this is the Babylonian empire. So this is a humongous empire. I mean, this is a huge deal. Now, why, why is it that Daniel stood out? What caused him to rise to the top? You know, was it that, that Daniel just had great leadership skills? I'm sure he had great leadership skills. Was he just great relationally? Yeah, he probably was pretty good relationally. No, we don't know all of, of all that Daniel had that caused him to rise to the top. But I believe there was one thing in particular, one habit in particular, that caused Daniel to rise to the top amongst all the other 120 leaders. Now, before I tell you what that is, let me tell you the rest of Daniel's story. So over time, Daniel became very popular with the king, which is a very good thing because then Daniel got promoted to a very, very high position. Now, that was good for Daniel, but the other 120 that didn't, they didn't really care for that that much. And so as a result, they wanted to take Daniel down because they wanted that position. And so to take them down, here's what they decided to do. They decided to do what is called today by politicians, opposition research. In other words, they're going to try to dig some dirt up on Daniel. And so here's how they try to do it. So then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs. And so they're looking at Daniel's life. They're like, okay, is he cheating anywhere? Is he cutting corners? Is there any corruption in his life? And it says, but they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. And so they're looking for, for any flaw in his character. They're looking for any bombshell story in his past that they can get. But they just can't find any dirt on this guy. And so what they decide to do is like, okay, that's not going to work. And so the only way that we can trip this guy up is by poking holes in his God. And this guy's so committed to God, we can go after that part of his life. And so they come up with this, this plan where they go to the king and they trick the king into issuing this law. And the law was this, that if anyone should pray to anyone besides the king in the next 30 days that that person will get thrown into this den of hungry lions. But here's our guy, Daniel, and he stood out among everybody else. Why is that? I believe it was a system that he had in place, that he had one small yet powerful habit that God used to shape the, his identity and help him to become the person that God wanted him ultimately to be. So here's his system. The system, but when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, and so he knew about the law, and he knew what the consequences of the law were. It says he went home, and he knelt down as usual in his upstairs room, with its windows open towards Jerusalem, which means this, that if anyone wanted to see him do it, they could have seen him do it. And then he prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to God, his system. Didn't pray one time, not two, but three times a day. Not when it was convenient, not when he, not when he had time because he, he didn't have time, just like none of us really have time. But he decided three times a day that there are certain points where he would just hit the pause button on life and he would lift his concerns up to God, that he would invite God to, to give him wisdom and to lead his life, that he would listen for the small, still voice of God. 
And so three times a day, as the author says, as he had always done, that he prioritized a relationship with his heavenly father. Now, here's the thing about Daniel. Daniel lived a system. Daniel lived a habit. And it was just this really small habit. He prayed three times a day. Now, here's what I want you to miss in all of this. That God can start something big in our life. I don't want you to underestimate how God can start something big in our life when we are willing to start some small habit in our life. That, that God loves to take our small steps of faith, our small steps of obedience, our small habits, and then do stuff that's very significant with those over time. Uh, one of the books that I recommend in our resource list, it's called The Power of Habits uh, by Charles Duhigg. And Charles, in his book, he talks about this thing called a keystone habit. A keystone habit is that there are just certain habits that when they're in place in our life, that they actually lead to other impactful, healthy, and God-honoring habits. Daniel's. He prayed three times a day. And I believe that this was a keystone habit for Daniel. It was this habit, as a result, over time, that God used it to bring other healthy habits and influences into his life, so he became the person that he wanted to become. Now, I was thinking about this in my own life, because when you think about keystone habits, there are probably about three to four keystone habits that we can have in our life, and they're going to be different for all of us. They really are. So I was thinking, okay, what are some keystone habits in my life? What is a keystone habit in my life? And this is actually harder than what I thought. So I was thinking about it for a while, thinking about it for a while, and so I finally came up with one. A keystone habit for me has been journaling. It was 24 years ago, and I made a decision to follow Jesus I'm taking steps on my faith journey, and, uh, and then, you know, people are saying, oh, you got to learn how to pray, you know, and so I would try to pray, you know, dear God, and, and I did the whole thing, and then my mind would be off about, you know, the work list, and just all the things I had to do, and dear God again, and they'd kind of go off and off, and kind of, kind of do that whole thing, and so I just gave up, you know, I'm like, I can't do this, this prayer thing is not for me, and so for a while, I just went, never really prayed, and uh, then, then one day, a friend said to me, he goes, well, you ought to try journaling. And uh, I first heard it, I kind of like pushed back on it. I'm like journaling, you know, I'm not the sit down and write it type person. It's just not really, really me. It wasn't at that time at least. And here's the idea of journaling. The idea is you take a pen and paper and you just write out your prayer to God. Dear God, and you just kind of write it out. And here's the powerful thing about it. Our mind can't wander away from what we are writing about. And so, you know, I sat down, remember first day I journaled, dear God, you know, uh, thank you for the food I just ate, you know, Cheerios, I really appreciate it, and uh, wrote out a couple things, and then I was done, I was like, you know, that just feels kind of awkward to me, and, but I said, okay, I'm going to keep trying this, you know, and I kept trying, I kept going, and I kept going, and I kept going, and uh, I never stopped going, and, and journaling for me is a daily habit. And I tell you, I mean, I, 24 years later, I, I'm just amazed, I never thought I could connect with God in the way uh, that, that I have and, and that I have been doing over the last 24 years. Now, little did I know that habit, 21 years later, kind of fast forward from when I started, 21 years later, that uh, I, would, I would crash and burn with, with burnout. And it was this habit of journaling that was a big catalyst for the healing process in me. Because as a part of that, I had to learn what is called looking inward. And looking inward is done through, or was done through, journaling. You see, if it wasn't for journaling for me, now I really kind of play it out. I wouldn't have the marriage that I have. I wouldn't have the emotional health that I now have. And I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now if it wasn't for this keystone habit. It has led to so many other habits in my life. 
You see, Daniel's keystone habit is he just hit the pause button, and three times a day, he connected at a deep level with God. Never underestimate how God can start something big in our life through one simple, small habit. Well, as I I talked about last week, we said we're going to kick off the new decade in a new way. That instead of focusing on the traditional New Year's resolutions up front, instead of focusing on do goals, we're going to focus on identity-driven goals. Who goals? And uh, once again, bringing back this question, I said, okay, the question we're going to ask is who do you want to become? And if you weren't here, I gave a bunch of examples that, that you can look into. But today, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take the next step in this journey. And uh, I'm going to ask another question that I want us to, to wrestle through and begin to apply this week. Based on who you want to become, what one small habit do you need to start? Based on who God is calling you to be, what is one discipline that you need to put in your life that's going to help move you in that direction. Now, as you look at this question, there are two words in this question that I really want you to focus on. I want you to focus on one, and I want you to focus on small. I want you just one habit. Well, Mark, I need three or four or maybe 15. I know we all do. We all do. I just want you to think one, just one. And then this word here, small. Now, let me tell you why the small word is important. You see, most of us, we really believe that we have to make big changes in our life if we're going to experience big results in our life. That our mentality is, well, it's an all or nothing, not all or nothing type deal. Years ago, uh, I, was, I was wanting to go on a diet, and uh, I, was, I was just kind of going through, looking through all these diets, you know, nothing kind of real, eh, I didn't like that, I didn't care for that, really, I just didn't want to go on one, right? So I'm looking at all these diets, and uh, then one day, I was sitting on the couch with my wife, Donna. And she is reading about this diet that was called the cabbage soup diet. And uh, I don't know if it's still around anymore. I hope it's not because it's awful. But she's reading about this, this cabbage soup diet. And uh, she begins to tell me about this. And here's kind of the idea of the cabbage soup diet. Uh, it's, it's you go 10 days, you cabbage soup for, for every meal for 10 days. And then at a certain point, you can sprinkle in some other food with it and all that stuff. And uh, that's it. And she's reading me about this diet. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? 10 days, I can do that. She goes, she's like, have you ever had cabbage soup before? Never. Can't be that bad. And so uh, she's like, okay, you're going to do this? And I'm like, I'm going to do it. 10 days, I can gut it out. Let's get it done. And so she says, okay. And uh, so she gets up, and then she heads to the store. I didn't know she was doing this. You know, she heads to the store. And so she buys all the supplies for 10 days of cabbage soup. And she comes home, and because she obviously <laughs> really wanted me to lose weight. And... Um, <laughs> And she, she makes 10 days worth of cabbage soup and uh, she packs the refrigerator full, you know, so much cabbage soup in the freezer and all this stuff. And uh, so I'm, I'm ready to go. Day one rolls around. I get up in the morning, you know, and I pour my bowl of cabbage soup and put it in the microwave and that thing gets out. And I've never smelled cabbage soup before, but I'm smelling that thing. I'm like, <laughs> like, man, am I in a men's locker room right now? Cause holy smokes, you know? And, um, uh, so, you know, I'm like, okay, well, it can't taste that bad, you know, I gotta hold my nose and oh, like, I've never eaten paper before, but I think paper probably tastes better than that whole thing, you know? And so I'm like, I just gut it out, you know, just doing this and shoveling it in and all that stuff. I'm vomiting in my mouth while I'm doing it, you know? And uh, I'm like, well, there's one meal down and go to work and I have my lunch box with cabbage soup in it, you know, walk in. And um, 
get to the break room, lunchtime, I have another cabbage soup, you know, once again, just steer it in, puke in your mouth and keep going and all that stuff. And uh, I'm like, oh, I'm two meals down, you know, I'm kind of tracking the whole thing. Well, anyways, I, I'm driving home, thinking the whole time, thinking, man, I got to eat that crap again, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and so I, I kind of pull in and uh, Donna had beat me home from her job and I walk in and there is a wonderful heated up bowl for her husband of cabbage soup just sitting there, you know? And so I kind of walk in, I get the whiff of a locker room smell, you know, in my mind. And uh, I, I, find, I looked at her and I said, I'm done. And she goes, what do you mean you're done? I go, I'm done. I can't handle this anymore. I leave the house, get in my car, drive over to Dairy Queen, to which I ordered a large M&M blizzard, praising God the entire way, rebuking cabbage soup for the rest of my life. And there was my diet. And the reason why I tell you that shameful story is, uh, is that because for many of us, I'm included, it's we always think it's got to be a big change. And uh, here's the thing for many of us, we aren't ready for big. Actually, small is better. And so for some of you, when you think small, I want you to think, okay, uh, read the Bible before Instagram. Or maybe for you, you want to start praying with your kids, and you've never really prayed with your kids. Maybe for you, just before you go to bed, one-line prayer, that's it, and you go to bed. You know, maybe for you, you want to become a more grateful person this year. And so what you're going to do is you're going to write one letter a week to someone to express your appreciation. Or you want to become a more organized person. And maybe for you, it's, it's doing what Admiral McRaven said, and you're just going to make your bed. Why? Because First thing, why? Because that's what organized people do. What is one new habit? What is a new system based on who you want to become? Do you need to start? Now, for some of you, you're like, Mark, I'm just not a systems person. You know, I don't do systems. Here's the thing. We all do systems, whether you do them by intent or you do them by default. You know, your system might be every morning when the alarm goes off, you hit the snooze button seven times before you get out of bed. You know, your, your system might be anytime, any, your system might be avoidance. And so anytime there's a tough conversation or anytime uh, there's a problem or anytime you think about taking steps with God, it's about avoiding. You know, maybe for you, your system is anytime stress comes, it is, I'm going to go shopping, I'm going to eat, I'm going to take a drink or take something else. Or maybe for you, it's three and a half hours a day on social media. You know, what are those? Those are systems. They're not good systems, but they're systems. What is one new system, one habit do you need to start to move in that direction that God, to be the person that God wants you to become? Now, in all the books that I read and all the research that I did, all the authors talked about this. It's called a habit loop. And uh, all bite very differently but they all talked about a habit loop. Now, the habit loop is something that is going on in all of our lives, whether we realize it or not. And here's what the habit loop looks like. Habit loop looks like this. There is a cue or trigger that happens in our life. And uh, that, that cue or trigger, it could, be, it could be something that we see. It could be we walk by the refrigerator. Uh, uh, it, it could be, you know, we're lonely, we're angry, we're, we're hungry. It could be, you know, we feel stress. It could be it's the end of the day. It could be it is the beginning of the day. And so that cue or stress leads to an action. You know, that action might be, well, you, you eat the piece of chocolate cake. You go to the gym. You pray with your kids. 
You know, you spend money. You kick the cat. You know, you yell at some. It could be whatever it is. It defaults to an action. And then that action leads to a reward of some kind. The dopamine rush. The sugar rush. The sense of pleasure. The extra seven minutes of sleep that you get. And then the loop starts over again. And it just begins to repeat itself. And so there is a cue. There is a feeling there is, we see something, there is an emotion there which defaults to the same action, which then we experience the same reward. And that's how habits are working and are established in our life. So the question becomes, how do we establish or how do we start new habits? Well, here's what we want to do. We want to take these two things right here, because that's the start of it all, and do two things with them. Here's what we want to do. We want to make them obvious and we want to make them easy. Let's start with obvious first. If we want to change what we do, we have to change what we see. Now, going back to my example of, of the normal day, if you notice when I got out of bed at 445, I talked about one of the first things I do is I put on a workout shirt. Why is that? I put that workout shirt right on the counter in the bathroom. I walk in the bathroom. I see it. It's a cue for me when I see it to put it on because it's that obvious. Why? Because the more I put that shirt on, chances are that I'm going to end up going to the gym. That's it. I make it obvious. Now, for you, if you want to start work out, working out, put your clothes in an obvious place. You'll see them. It'll be a cue for you, and you're more likely to put them on. Maybe for you, you want to start reading the Bible. You're not much of a Bible person. And so you want to create this new habit. Here's what you do. You take a Bible and you put it on your pillow before you go to bed. Or maybe on the couch or chair that you sit in in the morning as you drink your cup of coffee. You know, maybe for you, once again, you want to become a more grateful person this year. Before you leave work at the end of the day, you take a thank you note and you take a pen and you put it on your desk. Why? So when you come there the next morning, you're going to see that first thing. It's going to be a trigger because it's obvious, and you're oh, this is what I do, and you're gonna do it. So we make it obvious, but then we gotta make it this as well. We gotta make it easy, and this is where it gets fun for us. Uh, one of the habits that, that I wanted to start a couple months ago as I was doing this, is uh, I wanted to kind of learn to quiet my mind. As I said earlier, my mind's all over the place, and I've always said, well, I just can't do that, you know? But uh, the reality is that's just an excuse for me. And so I've tried it before. I'm like, okay, quiet my mind. And then once again, you know, I last about, you know, 30 seconds. And I'm off somewhere, la, la, land and all that stuff. And then five minutes later, I've thought about everything. And so I finally said, okay, hold on. What if instead of going, well, I want to do it for five minutes. What if I start with 10 seconds? And so I started this, just 10 seconds every day for a while, for like a month. And then I went up to 20 seconds. And then 30 seconds. Now guess what I'm up to? A whole minute, a whole minute. Yeah, I can do it. See, I started and I made it easy. You know, for you, uh, maybe for some of you, once again, you've tried to start reading the Bible, but it's like, yeah, I can't read a chapter. I'm not much of a reader, all this stuff. Hey, listen, why don't you start by reading one verse a day? Or you want to try praying and someone said, why don't you just pray for 15 minutes? You're like, man, I can't, I can't pray for 15 minutes. What about praying for one minute? And you do that for a month. Guess what might happen for you? You might have a desire to pray for two minutes, and then three minutes, and maybe four minutes over a period of time. Maybe you want to start journaling. You're not a journaling type of person. Maybe you just get a, get a, get a pen and paper and use one line. Here's what I saw you do today, God. And it's just one line. Guess what? You do that for a while, you might be motivated to write two sentences, three, and beyond. You know, maybe for you, you want to start getting in shape and you want to work out. 
Here's what many of us do. We buy the expensive gym membership, and we go, I'm going to go five times a week for an hour a day, you know? And then all of a sudden, we're on day three, and it's like me and cabbage soup. It's like, I ain't doing that anymore, you know? Maybe for you, it is one day a week, 15 minutes of that day, and that's just where you start. Or maybe financially, you want to start getting your arms around your finances a bit. And you're like, oh man, the debt hole is too big. What if you just took $10, $10 every week or at the end of the month, however you want to do this, and you just put that extra $10 towards that debt? Or, or maybe for you, you want to become more generous. And you take $10, and at the end of the month, you go, okay, we're going to give this away. This is what we're going to do. What are you doing? You're making it easy. And when you make it easy, because for many of us, we worry about what we're not doing. Make it easy. Begin to build momentum. So what are we doing? We're creating a new habit. We're creating a system. That this is the cue that after this, this is what I do. Because this is a new habit. What would have Daniel have done? Daniel might have been like this. Daniel been like, okay, I pray three times, three times a day. After my morning Dunkin' Donuts coffee, which I understand the donut's name is not in it anymore, so it took out the best part. Uh, but after my, my cup of Dunkin' Donuts coffee, I pray. After lunch, I pray. After a big bowl of ice cream, I pray. I do blank after blank. You see, successful people, they do consistently what other people do occasionally. And people with dynamic faith that are making a difference with their life, that have great relationships, that have great families, that are living with financial flexibility and freedom. It doesn't happen by accident. There's a plan. There's a system. There are habits. You see, we all have the same goals, but we have very different results. Why? It's not a goal issue. It is a system issue. It is a habit issue. Let me close with this. One of the aha moments for me over the last few months, as I've been kind of going on this habit journey, uh, one of the aha moments for me is that just from a personality style, I'm a, I'm, I'm a type A personality. If you do personality assessments, my favorite is the DISC assessment, and uh, I am a very, very high D. And so just in, and just in how I'm wired, uh, achievement is very, very important to me. Success is very, very important to me. And what I've begun to discover is that the more I experience progress in any area of my life, the more I realized it was never enough, that it was never satisfied, that I always wanted something else, I always wanted something different. And as a result of that pursuit, I've made some decisions in my life that I, I honestly, I just wish I could take it back. But here's what I've come to realize, that I have been chasing the wrong type of goals in life. You see, the goals that I've been pursuing are what's called means goals. What's a means goal? A means goal is a goal that leads to something. It's a means to an end. How do you know if, you have, if you're going after all means goals? Because every means goal has a so attached to it. You know, I want to get good grades so I can go to a good school, so I can get a good degree, so I can get a good job, so I can ask her out on a date, so she'll say yes, so we'll get married, so we'll have a huge house, so we'll have a big family, and so on and so on and so on and so on. And so all my goals, they had a so attached to it. Now the problem with that is, is that when there's a so attached to any of our goals, things like contentment and fulfillment and peace, they're always deferred to the future because there's always something else in our life. 
And what I am beginning to, to discover as I go through this journey, and I'm saying beginning because there is no way I'm, I'm really there yet, but as I'm beginning to discover is that instead of chasing means goals, I'm going to chase a different type of goal. And the goal is this type of goal right here. It's an end goal. And the only end goal that I know that's on the other side of a so is not a what, but it's always a who. And when we think about what really matters in our life, it's not what, what, we, what we're getting or where we're going. It's about who we're becoming. And if you follow Jesus, the only end goal that really is going to find out that's going to really matter for you is if we become more and more like Jesus. Because in becoming more like Jesus, we are becoming the only who that God made us to become. And when that becomes the pursuit of your life, then success isn't something that's out there. Success isn't something, you know, five years from now, here's what I've achieved, even though that's wonderful if you achieve those things. Success then becomes the little small things that I achieved today, that God, hey, I honored you. I was faithful to you today. What is one small habit that you want to create? And it's small, and so you might start doing it, and you might go, you know, this is not really making that much of a difference, but here's what you're going to discover. That when we are faithful with the small things, guess what happens? We begin to experience the habit loop with God. Because when we're faithful with the small things, eventually, God is then able to entrust us with bigger things. And it's only then that we will experience true, lasting success in our lives. Let me pray for us. And Father, um, this is that time of year, once again, God, that um, we really do, not just in word, not just in our thoughts, God, we really do want to see you do some really, really significant things in our life as we roll into a new decade. And, uh, and, and Father, if we haven't, I pray we just continue to wrestle with the who question. And, uh, and God, from there, what is, what is, make it clear to us, God, what is the one small habit uh, that you want us to start just this year, not this, this, this year. God, uh, we know that you can take the small habits in our life and over time turn them into really, really significant things. And so make that clear to us, God. Um, we want this year to be different than last year, but more than just this year, we want our lives to be different. We want to be healthy and we want to be impactful. We want to experience the abundant life in you that you have invited us to experience. And so, God, make that clear for us what that is. And would you give us the courage just to take one small step? Because in the small, God, we know you take them and turn them into really, really big things. And so I thank you for doing that. I thank you for the decisions that will be made and won't be made because of this very thing. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, next week we're going to wrap it up, and we're going to go the other way. We're going to talk about how to break bad habits in our life. We'll see you next week. Don't forget to bring someone with you. Thanks for listening to the Rich Community Church's podcast. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to host you at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and more about our kids and students' environments, visit us at theridgecc.com. That's theridgecc.com.